Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of Motion Picture Pals. I am Cam Call, with me is Rebecca Markley. Hello! Caleb Warwick. Hi! And producer Travis Lean. Welcome. Today, welcome indeed, we are going to be talking about the new movie Pig. Hog. By Hog. Pig Hog. The new uh, Michael Sarnosky movie, this being his uh, directorial debut for a feature film starring Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolfe, and Adam Arkin. Uh, so this movie just came out. Uh, Caleb, I guess, I, once again, you suggested we watch it. What, uh, I guess, how did you hear about this film? Because I actually didn't really know about it. Or I, I realized after seeing it, I did actually know about this. But we can, that's a story for later. But how did you find out about this and why did you want to see it? You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't really remember how I stumbled across this movie or how I like um, I don't think I saw an ad for it anyways, but um, I remember seeing some sort of like random review. I didn't like read the review. I was just like pig and <laughs> it's just called um, pig. What? And it was just like a review for it. And then I saw it had Nicolas Cage in it, you know, 2021. And I was like, what the hell? And I was seeing like, um, like a couple more reviews after that about it, and I was like, "This is interesting. I've never heard of this film, and I didn't even know it existed." And I mean, all of them seem pretty positive too. And like, then I started seeing a lot of people kind of talk about it on the internet as well, saying like receiving it pretty positive. And I was like, "Nicolas Cage movie, twenty twenty one, positive reception, interesting." And so, um, I thought it would be interesting just to kind of go into it blind and. Because I had no idea what it was about at all. Um, and it's been a while since I've seen a Nicolas Cage film, too. So um, that's kind of how I stumbled across it. Just random reviews of a random movie I didn't know about on the Internet. And so seeing Nicolas Cage's face in it, I was just like, all right, um, I'm going to watch it. And so I'm glad yeah. you guys got to watch it, too. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Nicolas Cage has had some like kind of interesting films lately. I think Mandy was the last big film he was in, and that that was a, a popular one that people liked. Yeah, I've heard pretty good things about that as well. Um, I've yeah, been, I still haven't I haven't made time for that one yet, but I'm one of these days I'll check it out. Just kind of like, uh, oh, my favorite thing that I heard about the movie that was not necessarily part of the review, just what some random person on the internet said about the movie was that. It's like John Wick with a pig. And I just thought that was so funny. It's also funny because it's not. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it feels like it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I guess, yeah, before we get into the plot, let's. I would like to hear people's general impression of the movie. Uh, Rebecca, let's start with you. Yeah, I was not a fan of this one. I think I fall in the camp of it did not work for me. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't super into it. Was kind of bored throughout the whole movie. Um, and then it was over. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, I I pretty much agree. But yeah, Travis, what did you think? I think I was pretty interested in the movie the whole way through. Like I was really mm -hmm. interested in all of the sort of twists and turns and it was just a, a confusing experience from beginning to end, I think, because it sort of sets you up for one thing and then it doesn't ever really deliver it. 
And instead, it sort of pulls like a switcheroo and says, actually, this is what the film was about. And I don't think any of that stuff really felt meaningful to me. It all just felt sort of like a confusing mess. So I, I it's like a tentative recommendation for me, but there's also like just some weird writing choices that confuse me. And I feel like I'm sort of missing the point or just not connecting with the filmmakers on what they were trying to accomplish. Sure. Sure. Caleb, what did you think? Dang, we got some, uh, we got some difference of opinions for this film, um, which is a good thing because I love the movie actually. Cool. Um, after seeing it and, I think it was interesting too because I saw a few things about you guys and you, what you thought of the movie just a little bit um, before going into it, and because I actually had to watch it um, a little bit behind you guys, but um, I after seeing what you guys were saying about it and stuff, I watched it and I I didn't think any of that at all. Um, I actually loved it and I thought it was a great film personally. Something about it just kind of like stuck with me really well, and I guess like the. Uh, just the premise of the film really i was just digging a lot and especially with what you said travis this the switcheroo i was all about that like i i really enjoyed the um the way the movie kind of changed up and so because <laughs> i think i still had that like preconceived notion of just john wick with a pig and so i was like okay so it's just gonna be this and didn't end up being that so i was um i was happy about that because i didn't really want it to be that and so um i just really enjoyed it front to back actually and yeah yeah are you, are you like flipping through the screenplay oh i'm sorry i have i have some notes that i'm looking at but okay <laughs> it's a really heavy page turning yes. yeah, we're gonna do a, a table read of the script later in the episode uh yeah i i guess i i pretty much agree with travis what you said i'm i'm yeah i'm on the fence there are parts that i really liked and other parts that i thought were pretty bad uh but overall i would i it's definitely one i would just recommend people watch and kind of form their own opinion like it's certainly not a waste of time to watch it and i think that's I think a lot of movies are like your life will just be like totally fucking like unchanged. Not that this is like a particularly life changing movie, but like you won't add anything to your life by watching them. Whereas this, I feel like there's something in it for everybody. And I mean, obviously, like Caleb liked it, you know, so it's it's a matter of taste to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, so so. Yeah, interesting mix of opinions. I feel Incidentally, like... the film also is about a matter of taste. That's true. <laughs> wow, what a transition. I get the plot. it. Good job, Travis. Good uh... job, Caleb. <laughs> I'm going to try to go. flip my notes without making too much noise, too. So. Yeah, crunch, shut those crunch. notes up, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, so we can, uh, we can just kind of get into the plot now, I guess. Uh... So we start with these like nice shots of the forest out here in Oregon. Uh, the movie was filmed in and around Portland, uh, home of me and Rebecca. So it starts out in the forest with Nicolas Cage and his pet pig. And uh, it's like very cozy in the beginning. 
I'm a big fan of this like opening sequence where he's just like, I don't know, like washing his hands in the river and like hiking around finding truffles and he cooks that mushroom tart or whatever. There's like these intertitles in the movie that I don't think really separate the acts all that effectively, but they're kind of fun because they're all named after food. I really liked them. Yeah, I thought they were really, I thought they were great. I'm a big fan of title cards, turns out. Liked them in The Green Knight, liked them in this one. Yeah. Let's oh, wow, I'm the opposite. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, no. <laughs> I can see how, like, title cards would be pointless if, um, or to some people, like, if they didn't mean anything to what was happening or, like, a change of scene. But um, I do still like them regardless, even if they're just, you know, there to just be there. But I like them in this one, too. I got really confused about trying to think of what Rebecca has said, but um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I generally dislike them is what I was trying to say, but I found that I liked them in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of... I thought it was kind of interesting how, as at least my interpretation was like each intertitle, you know, it was named after a type of food and that that specific food played some important part of, you know, that act in the movie. Um, yeah. And it was like fun to try to figure out wait, whoa, where's this food going to come in? Like what scene has the food? Um this is like a fun little scavenger hunt, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I guess this the beginning part of the movie is pretty much just like these idyllic scenes of nature and uh, getting you acquainted with Nicolas Cage's character and his pet pig. I feel like the pig was like very cute in these scenes, which is weird because I'm like, I don't typically find pigs endearing or cute really in any way. But <laughs> Uh, this is a nice pig. It seemed fun. It seemed like a pig that I would like to like pet and like feed some some apples or something. I I couldn't tell necessarily in the film, but was that a real pig or was it well, a CGI? Well, that's what I was gonna say. It seemed like a real pig. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely... look, didn't look like a CGI. Weird it thing. It was the so... hell of a CGI pig if it was, but I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure it was just a real trained pig that like walked around and. I, f- I figured that was the case. Like I'm sure this. I don't know what the budget for this film was or anything. I mean, the pig's only in a few scenes, so yeah, exactly. It couldn't have been that difficult. But oh, one thing that I did want to say, especially about the opening scene, um, man, the soundtrack to this movie was really, really good. I thought like the score of the entire movie was just fantastic and just sounded incredible, especially like the opening sequence when you know he's getting water from the creek and he's looking for truffles and it's just playing that just like really bright sounding score in the background. That's just, um, it was just really good. And, um, that was a big standout for, um, film scores for me anyways, this year. I can't say that I really even paid attention to the soundtrack in this film, which is kind of a bummer now. <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. I like That's the totally soundtrack fun. a lot. Yeah. As it was well. nice. Yeah, I re- I particularly liked the the ending, the like acoustic rendition of "I'm on Fire" by Bruce Springsteen. I thought that was a really nice way to end the film. Yeah, that was really great. I the, I'm just saying right now, like the the soundtrack was a huge standout. Like I, I loved it so much. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I have a, an article here 
uh, called All About the Pig in the new Nicolas Cage movie on moviepause.com, which uh, I think I've said on this program before. I'm a big fan of like animal actors and just like facts about dogs and goats and shit that are in movies. So I'll be peppering in little facts about the pig. But uh, basically, the pig was not really trained at all, it turns out. They just went to this uh, this town called Molala that's like kind of out in like the more rural uh, areas not far from Portland. And they were just like, yeah, we found the cutest pig we could find. And like that was the one that we put in the movie. Oh, uh-huh. That's probably yeah. why it wasn't in a lot of shots, because it was just like a regular ass pig. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just causing rampage on yeah. the set. Yeah, it did bite Nicolas Cage at one point, which is pretty <laughs> funny. That's so funny. Well, that just means he had to bond with the the pig to, you know, get a realistic portrayal. Like he actually trained that pig, you know? Nicolas Cage right. himself. Mm. He did it himself. <laughs> Not super convinced. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Then what? Yeah, then we meet Amir, who's like kind of the the supporting character of the movie. Uh, I really liked all the scenes, like especially the scene where like you first meet him when his like shiny yellow Camaro just like is driving through the woods. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just like this like rich douchebag who's like buying the truffles off of Nicolas Cage, and I thought it was really funny how how. Uh, Nicholas Cage's character, uh, Robin is his name. How Robin just like doesn't say a single word to Amir the whole time. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I just I like that scene a lot. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a cool contrast, especially like since Nicholas Cage's or sorry, Robin was just out in the middle of nowhere and there's like no sign of technology except like his, you know, cassette player. Right. And. All of a sudden, you just see a bright, shiny yellow Camaro show up and this dude in this Gucci belt and shirt is like, all right, uh, time to pick up the pick up those truffles. You know, it was a cool contrast. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like the way it set up Amir in the beginning because you're just like, oh, this fucking asshole. And then like as the movie goes on, he becomes more sympathetic. Like he has he has a good arc, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really does. Yeah. And then I think. It's like later that night, uh, people break into poor Robin's cabin and they hit him with a bat and take his pig away. So that was a real fucking bummer of a scene. Yeah, Yeah, it was was a big bummer. It was really sad, like Mm -hmm. seeing seeing Robin just like that's like his only. It feels like his only family, at least how it portrays at at the start of the film. Like he's by himself with this pig that helps him find truffles. It's all he's got. Then once in a while, Amir will show up and then all of a sudden his world is like taken away from him instantaneously. Yeah. And And I mean, I think the way it's set up, too, is because like after Amir leaves, it looks uh, Nicolas Cage. Fuck. Sorry. Robin puts like a cassette in in his boom box and like starts listening to it and has to stop. Uh, and then there's like the scene with the pig where he's like, oh, it's OK, like I'm all right. And it's it's a, like kind of touching where he's like, you know, talking to the pig as if, you know, like she is kind of his family. Uh, yeah, which I thought it's was really sweet. It's really obvious the pig is his companion um, more yes. so than just like just a regular like truffle hunting pig. Like the pig is hanging out in his house like they're chatting to each other. Um, 
Robin seems really concerned when like the pig is like making those noises at the door right before um, the people come to steal her. I don't remember what the gender of the pig is. It's but her, yeah. Her, okay, yeah. And I don't know, that was very sweet. Yeah, and I mean, it was just all the more like heartbreaking when you can hear the pig like squealing as it's being taken away. It's, yeah, it's real rough. Uh, I did like the next scene a lot where he like kind of wakes up and there's like he's the side of his head's all bloody and it like it peels up off the floor and you can see like the strands of like congealed blood and stuff. It was like really gross, but I thought it was a really fantastic shot with like the light coming in from behind him. I remember that made yeah. like a really nasty sound too. I mean, shit, like throughout this whole movie, his face was just. Yeah, he's covered in blood the messed entire up. time. Well, I think this film only takes place over like a day or two. So yeah, it's like damn. two days or so, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think so. Uh, poor fella. Yeah. Yeah. Real sad. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, I think probably most of us were like, oh, this is where it like turns into John Wick, right? He got his pet stolen from him. And now he's going to be like a, a man out for revenge to like get his pig back and whatever, uh, which is like fully what I, I was expecting him to go like, you know, knock out like a false wall of his cabin and go like strap, you know, an axe to his back and like grab guns and grenades and shit. Uh, <laughs> like I was fully expecting that to happen or him to like pry up a floorboard and there's like a bunch of ammo underneath it or something. Well, yeah, and that when I um, thought that was going to happen, that was when he was looking up to the window after he like peeled his head off and mm -hmm. was like, I thought he was trying to like pull down something to like have like get the shot, get a shotgun out or some sort of gun. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. Man, does it fool you? Man, does it fool you? Sure but I don't does. feel like it fooling you like is an improvement on the movie. That was sort of my main issue with it was like you you consciously cast Nicolas Cage and you sort of set it up uh even with the trailer as like a Nicolas Cage revenge movie um because like that's what Nicolas Cage is known for right is like he plays these guys who are who are kind of wacky and aggressive and violent and you go into pig thinking like I'm going to see Nicolas Cage mow down a bunch of people with like a bazooka or something and get his pig back. <laughs> um, and then it just sort of, it goes in a, in a different direction in like, in a way that like sometimes depending on like where scenes would end, sometimes I was really like, I like, I was always really anticipating the next thing that would happen but like i i don't know they they never played out in a in a way that like felt like it was a good idea to sort of subvert that sort of john wick idea it's really interesting that you had kind of these like expectations that ended up being subverted i guess i haven't seen a john wick or like i'm not quite sure about like what that looks like or feels like. So I had no idea the cues that I was supposed to be taking on to like make these expectations. So I didn't really like feel any of that kind of like, oh, this is actually different or interesting. I just kind of like saw this like very kind of like transparent, like 
one thing to the next thing and it was just kind of and none of it like really like worked for me i think because i didn't have those like expectations to be subverted i was just like okay he's you know he got his head hit on to the next thing it was very much like taken as is um without any additional like text or subtext that i was i was kind of bringing to the viewing experience that's a very interesting perspective um, that I, I guess I wasn't really thinking about either because I, I'm a big fan of the, the John Wick series. It's just, a, you know, basically the premise is John Wick gets his dog killed and he goes out for revenge for the people who killed his dog and then gets another stuff. But like that, that's essentially the premise and like kind of like the movie sets up something similar to that, but obviously subverts it. And if you've never seen like revenge films like that, I can totally see how it can not subvert you and just you're just seeing it of what it is rather. So that that is a very interesting perspective that you bring. Um, yeah, that's I was funny. not it's, thinking about that at all. It's, yeah, it's like uh, it suddenly becomes like not a twisty attorney movie. It just kind of is like a scraggly guy doing <laughs> things that make sense. Yeah, that's literally what that's why I think it was kind of boring. It was like, okay, as this really stinky guy um, covered in blood and this like really obnoxious guy in his yellow car and they're like driving through my city making strange decisions. Okay, they're eating food. They're eating more food. They're having a heart to heart. Um, Cool. The movie ends. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Plot summary by Rebecca Markley. That's right. There it is. That's pig, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, yeah. I was a little worried at this point that it was going to be like the last decent man in Oregon, you know, shows the junkies and the tweakers what's right. And then it. Oh, I can see. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy, I don't know if that's like the sentiment we need out there. And like it was right. not that exactly, but it was also like. I did take issue with the way it kind of was like portraying people who were like more or less homeless and like, you know, referring to people as like junkies and stuff pretty much yeah. constantly. Um, I thought I've, it was not great because like, yeah, it's, it's kind I, of I a problem see the... here that's like people are like real assholes to like homeless people and, you know. And so like I was um, I don't remember if like. Uh, Robin said that or anything but I the only times that I can remember like those people being called like junkies or like tweakers or anything like that was from like the more wealthier families at least from what I remember like the the dad like Amir's dad and stuff yeah he definitely does if I remember correctly when they go to that like it seems like the truffle like middle the the woman who's like weighing stuff out Mm -hmm. uh, and then and she like middle woman yeah yeah yeah, the middle woman. I think she she refers to them as as tweakers as well. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, I will also say on IMDb, uh, the two people that play like the the people that they first confront in the trailer after going to the middle woman, uh, Julia Bray is the actress, and she's credited as Brie, formerly Tweakette. And Elijah Ungveri is the actor who played the guy, and he's credited as Scratch, formerly Tweaker. Ooh. So Tweaker and Tweakette, you know, not great. Don't love that. Not great. That is is not very tasteful. Right, right. Um, 
And to be fair, <clears throat> it's not like super present in the movie. It's just that that initial scene and then right at the at the end. But uh, I was glad it wasn't just like Nicolas Cage, like murdering people who were like <laughs> addicted to, to opiates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could not see that film going in that direction. Yeah. At that point, fortunately. Right. 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 Um, we expect better of Nicolas Cage than that. Yeah. 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 He's got his gambling debt covered or like whatever the reason was that he was like <laughs> never turning down a movie. So it's like we, you know, you got to have got to have some principles here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, before all of this happens, Nicolas Cage, uh, he like his he start, tries to drive this old truck that he had covered up by his cabin and it like it dies and he can't drive it anywhere. So he just walks uh, down the road and he actually walks to a place called Skyline Tavern that uh, was one of the last places, actually, that Rebecca and I like went out to go like do bar stuff at before yeah. the pandemic really shut everything down. Uh, and really it was funny because he was like outside and I was like, wait, that's that bar that's out in the hills <laughs> that we went to that one time. It's also really funny because it seems like this bar is like way out in the boonies, right? But yeah. it is absolutely within the city of Portland. Like, and it it's is, in the heart of like the bougiest neighborhood in the city. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's not this like weird, like podunky, you know, diner on the side of the highway or something. Yeah, no, it's it's staunchly within the city of Portland, like on just like a regular ass road um, through Forest Park. Yeah. Yeah. They have like a super nice patio and a deck out back with a bunch of fire pits and like you can play horseshoes and stuff. It's a very, very nice place. I think it's actually closed now, but yeah, it was funny the way they like removed some stuff from the walls and put the, the waitress in her like diner outfit with like the little apron. Yeah. Uh, it really changed the whole atmosphere of the place. And I thought that was just really funny to like see that as like a set piece. Yeah. And so Amir comes and picks him up at the at this place. And uh, I thought it was funny that he has like the sheet over the passenger seat in his car. And I also really, really liked the the like classical music audiobook thing that Amir was listening to the whole time. Uh, like at first it was funny and you're just like, oh, what a like pretentious asshole. And then it's like you realize it's because he has daddy issues. Uh, yeah. Which I thought. So did they do like VFX stuff for the outside of the cafe? Uh, what do you. Oh, no, no. It's like it's in the forest, but it's like if you drive like a couple hundred feet in either direction. Oh, OK. So you'll, it's you'll like a real like someone's place. House. They didn't. OK, so it looks the same. It's just like. Yeah, okay. just like it was just the camera angles like avoided the houses that you can like kind of see from in there, but like, especially from the interior, you can't really see that. Okay. That but uh, yeah, like that part of Portland's weird. Cause like the road is super windy and the forest is really dense, but like if you just turn up a driveway, there's like someone's, you know, $10 million fucking mansion just right mm. there next to the next to the place. So Yeah. Yeah, pretty funny. And so this is when we uh, we posted on Discord and we were like, that's Portland, baby. There it is. It's on the TV. That's where we live. You're like, it's right there. That's me. Holy crap. I'm I've right been there. there. 
That reminds me of this time I stole a guy's pig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We were on an adventure. Wanted to get some truffles. <laughs> yeah, I hit this guy in the head with a bat. It was cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you didn't even see it coming. Yeah. So then, yeah, then the whole scene with the, the truffle woman occurs. Uh, and then they go into <laughs> Portland. I don't know why. I think it's just funny to hear the truffle woman. The truffle woman. <laughs> Yeah, Truffle Middle Woman was a little cumbersome, so she's the Truffle Woman now. Uh, oh, I guess I'll also say I used to work in like a really fancy grocery store in Portland and, you know, presumably would be one of the the people or one of the, the entities that's buying truffles from, you know, these these truffle hunters and dealers. Uh, and it was like a, a famously wild mushrooms are like a really sketchy business to be in. Oh, yeah. And so I thought like the portrayal of like the people who do the hunting was like sort of interesting where it's like it is a little skeezy and like people are pretty like weird and like generally are recluses and or criminals of like one kind or another. Um, and I, I did think it was funny how it was portrayed as almost like the mafia. Like, I don't think it's quite on that level of like sketchy, mm -hmm. but uh yeah, like a lot of times there would be, you know, truffle sellers or hunters who would just like come into this store. And like I worked in, you know, a really rich neighborhood. And so it's like you could definitely tell, you know, they're not the normal clientele. And, you know, they would have to go get the guy who ran the produce section and they would like go out back. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd, buy, yeah, he'd buy the truffles and the person would leave with like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And it was always... It always felt like a drug deal. And people are also really territorial of the areas where they go yes. to find wild mushrooms, too. Um, I've, I've heard some stories, like not anyone that I know, but like friends of friends have had encounters where they were foraging on space that another person thought was theirs and had like intense encounters. Just like out in the forest and then, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of sketchy. It's like the folk wisdom here is like you probably shouldn't go mushroom hunting for anything more valuable than like chanterelles unless you are armed in one way or another, because like shit gets pretty wild out there. But anyways, back to the movie. Uh, when they were driving through town, Rebecca and I were sort of like. We recognize most of the buildings, honestly, because like, you know, there aren't that many super distinctive buildings that would be interesting to put in a, a shot for a movie in the city. Like Portland's not that big of a city. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were just noticing how often, uh, especially in that montage, that there would be a building that's like on the east side of the river and then one that's on the west side. And it would kind of like go back and forth and the montage, right? obviously implying like they're passing by these buildings in some kind of like sequential order. And we were like, Hey, wait a second. That's across the river from that one. And like, that's in a totally different part of town, which was sort of funny. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so they get into, they get into Portland uh, and then I guess they go to the food cart pod, right? That's the, that's the next location. I have no idea. I can't, I can't even remember yeah. what happened in this film. Yeah. So, they go into Portland and then right after that, they go to that because he's like, OK, I need you to take me to this person or this place or whatever. And so they go right to that 
and then they're in the food cart place. Yeah. Yeah. So a funny thing about the food cart place is like, I think in the preceding scene, they're like, oh, yeah, I gave it to like some guy in like downtown, you know, like a city guy. Um, And then they're in this food cart pod, which actually we were just at right before recording this with a friend of the show, Oliver. Uh, He asked me to say that because he always wanted to be a friend of the show for a podcast. Uh, Thanks for being a friend, Oliver. Yeah, thanks, Oliver. Uh, Wait, so why did you go on like a production tour of every location in Pig? We didn't. We didn't. No, (laughs) this is literally like a spot that we go to pretty regularly. Yeah. Because it's not far from our house. And like, we've been going there for several years because like, when he's walking through, I was like, damn, some of these food carts look kind of familiar. And I was like, no, there's no way. Like, they wouldn't come out to, like, So St. John's Portland. and North Portland. Yeah, like, and, who like, comes sure out enough, here? Yeah, there's the sign in the background of the one that's no po boys. Uh, no po being, like, short for North Portland. And I was like, oh, holy fuck, it's the St. John's beer porch. How about that? <laughs> uh, so that was yet another that is Portland scene for us. Yep. Um, and this it actually was also funny because we planned to go meet Oliver for drinks and the food cart food before we even watched it. So like this wasn't even like a planned thing. It was just like, oh, haha, this is a funny coincidence. So yeah, so I wanted to clear that up. It was not a tour of the filming locations. It was happenstance. Yeah, so we could go make the soy boy face and like point at the sign that was in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. We did actually think about doing that and like posting the picture on Discord. Um, Anyway. It's a thought that counts. Yeah, yeah. So this gets me to what I mentioned earlier about how I did actually know that this movie existed, but then promptly forgot about it. Uh, It's because the woman that cuts my hair was telling me about how she was like potentially in the background of a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, and I obviously was not paying attention at all when she told me this. Cause like, cause we watched the movie on Friday and then Saturday morning I went and got my hair cut and I, and like I was talking to her about it. I was like, Oh, I watched that new Nicolas Cage movie pig. And she was like, Oh yeah. What did you think? And like, whatever. And I was like, yeah. And it was super crazy. Cause they were in that food cart pod. That's like really close to here. And she was like, yeah, that's the scene that I'm in. I was like, Oh yeah. I remember you telling me that for sure. <laughs> uh, so I have actually heard about this movie a long time ago. Cause this would have been, you know, I think, they shot this in 2019. So uh there you go. And then I, I forgot about it. But it was also funny when he goes and he talks to to Edgar, because that is also in the uh right there in the actual the beer porch part of that part of the of the food carts. And uh, they had clearly like hung that the canvas linen, whatever it was, on all of the windows and cleared all the people out. So it looks like this really run down, like shady place when it's like a very cute, quirky kind of a place in actuality, because like you can't really tell in the shots, but you can tell like the furniture doesn't match and it looks really shitty. But it's like very cute and intentional in the actual location. But yeah, anyway, so Edgar is, I guess, the like mafia boss of like cooks and chefs in Portland. 
Yeah, I learned a lot about the lore of Portland from this movie. Yeah, I don't know how true a lot of it is, but I really do hope there is like an underground society of like line cooks that like get in fights. Yeah. Underneath Pioneer Square Park. Uh, I will also say, I think it was like all of the Edgar scenes, like that, that kind of second act, I guess, where where they're trying to find the information through all of uh, all of Robin's old connections that I think was for me, it felt a little out of place. And I, I didn't really vibe with those scenes because I think before this, it's like, oh, it's like the cozy, you know, this like bucolic scenes of Nicolas Cage living in the wilderness with his friend, the pig. And then it like takes the turn that's like, holy fuck, oh my God, it's going to be like an investigative thriller now. And then it is that, but then it turns into this like pseudo action movie, kind of, but like there's not actually that much action leading up to the point where like Robin gets the shit kicked out of him in the like underground fighting ring. How was this an action? Like how, like what about it made you think that? It just felt like it was building to that the whole time, and then it never really did. But it it felt like a tone shift of the movie hmm. to me. Okay. The the underground fight scene in particular. Yeah, I think that's where it culminates. Yeah, a lot of this movie felt like it was building towards something, but then it never got to it. Right, and like, I didn't really like the way the like the fight scene was executed because like this is where we learn like kind of the significance of like who robin is like as a as a character because like edgar tells him he's like nobody's like nobody knows who you are anymore you don't exist and it's kind of seems like a a mean thing to say to a, a truffle hunter uh and then in the fighting ring you know he writes his name on the on the i don't know the whiteboard or whatever that they have down there uh and people are like oh holy crap it's really him and they're like placing bets on him and like i guess this isn't even like a fight club it's just you stand there and get punched see how long he lasts a certain amount of time i guess like i didn't really understand how that worked and like i thought it was a weird like way to to portray it and it's like so he he does it and he gets punched and then he like makes a bunch of money i guess and like from that somehow gets some information and i i really didn't follow it was very hard to follow yeah i didn't follow how any of that happened and so i was like well all right so this there was this weird tonal shift where it's like now they're literally underground and like nicholas cage gets beat up but like this this somehow leads them to, you know, having it be information that they need to go find the pig or at least get one step closer. And I truly just did not understand how that happened. I I feel like so much of this movie just like totally went over my head because I didn't understand. I didn't like get this like action building thing whatsoever. I was just like, yep, they are 
at these food carts and he's getting more information and he's got some clues and then they're gonna go here and then all of a sudden yeah he has to like break down the wall okay whatever and then they go there and i'm just like like it's all it felt just very like dramatic and like silly um i did not like read Every time that Nick cage does something rebecca's like all right that's fine whatever yeah. That's I, literally I like what how like how I felt the movie was. It was just like, okay, Nick Cage is doing some other wacky thing. Rebecca, when you see a movie theater in real life, do you go, who cares? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I won't say that that's never ever happened. I also feel like this movie went over my head though, just not for the same reason. I just <laughs> I found it impossible to like decipher the meaning behind this movie, but m mostly within like why it was executed in this way. Because like I feel like I ultimately got the director's message about like grief or whatever. But it was like, why did you why did you do this through like a series of puzzles for me specifically? <laughs> <laughs> and what did what did this help me accomplish? And what like what do I get out of this? Yeah. I don't feel like I I've gained anything. The yeah. end credits, Travis. I hope you found the puzzle pieces. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I personally, for me, as much as I really did enjoy this movie, um, that particular scene was, I think, confusing for me as well. Um, I I couldn't really understand the motives or like what necessarily was happening in the Fight Club. Maybe maybe there's some sort of like underground thing that is like a real thing that I just don't know about, and like maybe other people will be like, oh yeah, that's a real thing that used to happen in like big cities or something, and like I don't. I still don't really understand what that was in particular, but I mean, um, so you're saying you thought it was believable that there was an underground line cook fight club. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying that was believable. I'm just saying, like, I don't understand what was happening in that particular situation or why it was happening. And maybe some wacky shit like that exists somewhere. Yeah. And like, maybe it does. And I just don't understand. Yeah. So that's what. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe it it's a metaphor like... for like climbing the ranks in like the culinary world. It's mm. like it's like getting your ass kicked for money. Maybe. I mean, I it could know. be very much. I the the culinary arts is uh pretty pretty cutthroat, pretty crazy. Yeah. I really felt like it had a weird like Dungeons and Dragons vibe to it. Like, <laughs> like you're all just like out here, like role playing your your uh, your fight club fantasies in like an underground, <laughs> you know, fight club. I don't know. Yeah, I had. I guess it was just very like weird and simplistic in my brain. This whole film, like, I don't know. It seems very like I was just not thinking that... about what was going on at all. Yeah. Um, at that particular point in the movie, too, I was thinking it was going to go the route that he was like some sort of like crazy ass fighter and he was going to like go in there and just like be the shit out of everyone. Yeah, that's what I thought but was going to happen, too. Then he got the shit kicked out of him and just like, stood oh, there. Yeah. He's, so it's he's like getting his, he's really got to get his ass kicked. And like, that's clearly it it's right. not about fighting. Right. It's about like being able to like take punishment. But. Yeah. And and that's the particular point of the movie where I realized that it wasn't going to be like Nick Cage going on a, like a killing spree for his pig or anything. Um, <laughs> right. Which I was all I was like, OK, that's totally fine. Like um, now I'm like even more curious to see what the film is going to be about. If it's not going to be like, you know, Nick Cage just 
out for revenge. Yeah. They killed my pig so, and now I'm going to gut their families or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But I, so I do agree. I think like uh, this is at the same point that I also kind of like came to terms with like, this is clearly not going to be like a violent revenge film. This is like halfway into the movie that this scene happens. <laughs> and I, so like I would have appreciated this to happen earlier so it can then the movie can just be about what it's going to be about instead of like because it got to the point where i it felt to me like it was just bamboozling me for the sake of doing it and i was like oh okay well i guess i guess that's not happening i guess that's not what the movie's about um and it, it all feels like intentional misdirection right the fight club very much so it's like we're we're very clearly building to a revelation that he is some sort of impossible to knock out guy who's who's going to put these guys in their place Mm -hmm. and and the fact that it doesn't go there is somehow like it's like a it's i don't know it's just such a confusing decision i don't know why we have to do like uh, riddles it's like i i don't i don't usually go to see a movie because i want to just be like tricked every 10 minutes (laughs) and have to like readjust what the movie's going to be Especially just like with how it doesn't really ever pay off that idea. I don't know. That's I think what it is for me, too, is like I don't mind twists and turns, but like. There needs to be something that it's building to. Um, And I guess, yeah, we'll get to the ending. Yeah, I don't I feel like I (laughs) just like hearing your your sort of expectations of of like how you like thought this film would go i like cannot relate at all because it was just like yeah he's just there that's that's the movie oh now moving on to this next thing like i didn't really sense that there was like again like expectations to be subverted or or I'm just having a hard time taking Rebecca's <laughs> point of view seriously because it just seems like a mean way that you can watch any Maybe. movie. <laughs> you can just sit down in front of your TV and be like, well, there they go. That guy's doing stuff. I, Who like, cares? That was like, but that was my viewing experience. And I don't mean it in like a mean way. I was just like, yeah, that's pig. <laughs> yep, there's a pig. There it, it is. It just sounds so mean and dismissive. I know, like, I know I didn't really like the film, but maybe that's like why, because like I didn't have these expectations. It was just like one scene after another. It was just like these bits of of story being connected. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, and I really... think to be fair, right the the movie is very aware of its of its casting and its setting and the like implications of those things and like. On some level, right, I think, Rebecca, it's just like it's not f- made for people who aren't going to engage with that stuff. And like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. saying it's like the right or wrong way to like make a movie or even like watch a movie. But it just feels like there is there's like a pretty significant disconnect there. Um. So anyways, and oh, I, go ahead. Yeah, I will say like um, the thing is. It sounds like um, a lot of you guys had a, an issue with the pacing of the movie in particular, like where it was going and like what was happening and like nothing was happening. And like in the first half of the movie, even though I wasn't like convinced or like I was thinking still sort of that it was going to be like a revenge plot kind of where he's just going to go out and just kill a bunch of people or whatever. I still did, did enjoy the build up to like learning about Amir and Amir's past. Um, actually, I can't remember. Was that before or after the? Yeah, it's it was right after. after the fight. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, but still, like 
learning about like who Amir was as a character pre like him kind of like learning about um Robin and stuff and like um just kind of the build up to get to the point of you know they were I don't know the the whole fight scene thing again was a little bit confusing like going into the restaurant and stuff but I was at first I sort of thought that it was like a place for restaurant workers to like beat up homeless people for money well i think that's not <laughs> that was kind that's of, not an unreasonable assumption based on like what it appears to be yeah and like so it was like oh that's fucked up like he like you know like, he's just like a homeless guy and he's like he used to go here to get beat up for money like that's pretty fucked up like damn but caleb that's what i thought too i'm just not realizing yeah 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 and um i mean as as the movie progresses, it's like, oh wait, he's he wasn't homeless. He wasn't like any of this stuff. But like, what was that place then? That's what I mean by like, why do we have to have all of these twists? They don't account yeah. to any they don't like amount to anything. And again, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the film. I enjoyed like uh everything, I guess, except yeah, you that did part. say that. Defend your opinion. Um, but I will say that like that part was confusing, and I don't as I think about it more, I, I think um, I was thinking that it was like, um, I don't know. Um, it, I think it's what, what happened during the movie was um, I sort of forgot about why he was there and then just kind of went on with the film. But like now that I think back to it, um, it was very just confusing and. I don't know. Um, You're saying you enjoyed the movie because halfway through you forgot the plot? <laughs> no. Um, what I was saying was like, uh, that part was confusing, but I liked everything else but it. I was just still uh, thinking about like, okay, how did I convince myself this part made sense? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I did forget about that part um, halfway through the movie. I'm, so, I guess I you can take it for that. that. That's really funny. You're saying that the movie got so confusing, you had to force yourself to forget no, no, no. the first half um, to make it make sense. I, I'm not saying that, but um, there was just like a lot of speculation, like, okay, like, why the fuck was he here, there in the first place? But aside from that, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. I was gonna say. I mean, the movie looks really good the whole time. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not like as confusing as like these scenes are plot wise. They're not like bad to watch. And like the the scene where like Nicolas Cage is getting punched is fine. And it like it looks cool. So like, I think that does help the movie a lot. It's very like competently made, I think. Uh, and so even I think that's for me why I didn't like consider this like a bad movie in any respect I was just like yeah I mean like I don't really agree with these writing choices but like I don't mind that I'm watching it if that makes sense may, may, so yeah I, I agree <clears throat> and that's like I that's why I was saying that I uh, um, my brain exploded um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think about the fight scene <laughs> um no, that's why I was saying that like I I felt like I I was missing the point of the movie because uh, it like it certainly doesn't feel like a poorly made film. It just feels like I'm not understanding something almost like I'm watching like a foreign film. Um, sure. But it, it's like it, it says he is an American director. He's, but at some point I was just like, is this like. Is this like a European made film? Like, and it was just like translated or something? Because I just don't feel like I understand what this movie 
wants me to understand as well made as it as appears to me. I kind of want to go mm-hmm. back and see like if I missed anything in particular for the build up to the fight scene or even just like look into like what other people thought about it because I am very curious now because it seems like we all were very confused about that part in particular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, anyways, the next scene I think is like probably one of my favorites, like these next couple. Um, cause like Amir takes Robin back to his apartment, uh, and like, you know, puts him on the couch, gives him some ice, all that stuff. Uh, and they, they have this conversation where Amir sort of, this is where he, he kind of, his character gains a little bit of depth, you know, and he explains how his uh how his parents were always like they had a really unhappy marriage and they were always fighting and like they they'd go out on dates and even then they would come back arguing but like the one time they didn't they had gone to robin's restaurant you know and they were just like raving about the food uh, and how you know how amazing it was and it was like the one of the only times that amir saw his parents happy which was i thought very nice and then yeah yeah you yeah. know yeah, yeah. And then you're you kind of are beginning to understand like where Amir is coming from. And you don't really know who Amir's father is yet, but you were kind of like building to that point. Um, and That's- I think this is really where you learn that like Robin was this like legendary chef in Portland, right? That he was like he was like the guy who opened, you know, all the best restaurants and the like kind of the ideal that everybody was like striving toward. And uh, OK, and- uh, for that part in particular, too, I think that's where you see the big shift into Amir. Right. Um, for whatever the fight scene meant to be, it did invoke that there was he was well respected amongst a lot of the other chefs right. and like everyone knew his name and like um, stuff like that. And so as he sees this like poor old man, that's just beat the fuck out of his face all messed up and he's sort of like realizing like okay maybe this person was somebody in the past and maybe i shouldn't like treat them kind of like this like how i perceive homeless people in general or um because like you know that's just his big portrayal at the start of the movie is just this rich douchebag who you know if you don't have like the nicest gucci clothes or anything like that he's just gonna like put his seat covers over and like not wanting to be in his car and shit like you know um so i thought that was a really cool turning point for amir's character in general and like especially um where the part where he talked about his mother killing him killing herself um that that part was particularly interesting because like it didn't really seem like as though he like you know it just happens they're 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 people like that are bound to do it kind of thing and like i like I thought that was an interesting thing to say um, and to kind of show his insight onto like his, you know, his daddy issues. And so like, yeah, that was, it was kind of heartbreaking seeing that. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also the point where, <clears throat> where Robin says, you know, uh, like I need you to get us a reservation for lunch at, uh, at this, you know, this real trendy restaurant. Uh, and there's like a kind of funny scene where Amir is like talking to, uh, like this butcher or chef or somebody, you know, to whom he sells truffles. Uh, and he's just like, Hey, you know, the sous chef, you, the, the sous chef at, at whatever, I think, uh, Eurydice is the name of the restaurant. 
at least according to this uh, plot summary. Which is such a bougie restaurant name. That like, is a hundred percent completely like, that's what, an, just... what it would be called here. Ew. <laughs> uh, but like the the like really expensive one that like nobody from here actually goes to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, and so it's like it was very funny because like this is also where we kind of see Amir being like more vulnerable. He's more of like the boy who's like pretending to be this like cool rich guy who like has his shit together because he's like practicing in the mirror in the in the bathroom at the scene before this and he's like yeah you want the real shit you come to me and like blah 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 and then he's like in the next scene he's like hey buddy so uh do you think you could uh, maybe get me a reservation Uh, which is uh, very very good like comedic edit on that one um yeah, yeah, and so he's like, and then he's like, well, what if I just give you these truffles for free? Like, then could you get me the reservation? And he's just like, no, dude, that's your dad's spot. Like, get out of here. Uh, and this is kind of where we're getting the, like, uh, the build up to, like, oh, who's Amir's dad? He sounds like a bad dude. He's like, people are scared of him. Uh, and Amir drops, you know, he's like, oh, my friend is Robin Feld. And the guy's like, oh, well, you know, in that case. And then, they're you know at the restaurant shortly after that and so something that rebecca and i pointed out like later in this restaurant scene when the when the chef comes out to talk with them we were like that's not what chefs look like in portland you should have found like a (laughs) like a like a big hairy bearded guy with a bunch of like arm and hand tattoos to be like the head chef of the trendy restaurant uh but then i realized the guy that amir is talking to in the previous scene like that guy i totally could believe is like you know a trendy chef here but like not at all the clean cut guy in the next scene like the very dad looking guy yeah specifically your dad a little bit <laughs> some chef markley yeah a little vibes. a little bit a little bit like not exactly but just kind of like a similar energy but yeah i also liked how sort of like boorish robin was being at the like contemporary restaurant cuz you know they're you have like the the waitress who's like giving this really impassioned, like very fake speech about all the food and whatever. And Robin sounded like it was like a weird yoga instructor. Yeah, like, talking it really about... did. It really did. Yeah, I could totally see like, that. Like... Yeah, talking about like the like the uh, the practice or like walking you through your various like positions and like shapes. Yeah, I yeah. could totally see like weird overpriced restaurants doing shit like that though. Like. So, I think they used to. I think these days people are like they've rightly decided that that's fucking annoying and they want to just enjoy their food. But I I, I want to say that sort of like a guided experience type of a thing was like, was a trend, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, But I, I loved that he was just like mashing his like grubby fingers into the food. and He was just like clearly not at all impressed with it. Uh, and then he was like, I want to talk to the chef. And she's like, okay, fine. Why did he do that? Wait, what? What? Why, why did he put his fingers in the food? I don't know. It's probably think just to, like, to show that he thought it was like bad and gross. Yeah, like over. Because then he like berates the chef about how he should have been opening his pub with his like signature burger right, or whatever it was. Yeah, it comes to pass like the 
the chef comes and talks to to Robin and Amir and he recognizes Robin and he's just like, oh, my God, like that's this is amazing. Like I used to work for you. And he's like, yeah. And you like, you know, you wanted to open a pub. So like, why did you open this spot? And there's this whole scene of like, oh, well, this is just what's popular. And uh, this was if I had to pick one scene that's my favorite, I'd probably say it's this one of just like robin dressing down this guy who used to work for him and i think it's especially because the guy who plays the the fancy chef he does such a fantastic job of like portraying his soul leaving his body as he's like processing (laughs) what's being told to him yeah (laughs) he's like smiling but you can see he's about to cry and he's like laughing like at himself and like it is a really good scene like that guy fucking mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park and like nicholas cage's <laughs> delivery is also very good you can hear this like um, nervous like tone in his voice when like yeah yeah it's so good the tightness in his voice yeah, it's yeah I, I loved it it's fantastic and it um, wasn't like nicholas or robin was like necessarily like berating him or anything it was just saying like no, no. you're like you're not doing what you wanted to do when i was like teaching you and that's why i didn't want you to like work for you because you you were passionate about something and you didn't follow that passion and now look where it left you not the person you want to be he's like you're fake everything about yeah it. like it's it's like a tough love scene kind yeah of. and like mm-hmm. the it's, best way because he's not trying yeah he's not trying to be mean that's yeah that's a good point um yeah yeah but it's like it's ultimately he's like look at these people don't care about you and like it's up to you you know to do something that you love and that you're passionate about. Um, and like, that's kind of how he gets the information out of, out of uh, that chef. And I think he's, uh, yeah, I think the, the, I think that guy is like, Oh, well, you know, this it's, he's not somebody that you want to make angry. You know, the guy who took your pig. And then that's of course, when we go to, you know, Amir's father's house and then we, we get all those scenes. Um, and so like, I think basically from this point onward, it's just like a normal sort of like investigation thriller type movie. And like, I really liked the second half of the movie because it, it felt coherent, right? It felt like, okay, this is what they're doing. And like Robin and Amir are like using their skills to you know to uncover clues and get supplies that they need to you know ultimately uh, achieve their goal and i thought you know that was that was good i liked that i liked how that all worked i just like i thought like getting to this point was like it took such a long time and was so disjointed that it felt like it felt like there was like two separate movies or even more perhaps that were kind of at odds with each other because they go to a bunch of different places. Like, well, I mean, yeah, they have the encounter with Amir's father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess Amir's father kind of, like, tries to to bribe um, Robin. And then right. they, like, hatch a plan to, like, get the pig back to, like, woo oh, Amir's father. And then before that, too, there was that scene where you see, I think it was before, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but with Amir and oh, his, yeah. his mom. And his mom was actually yeah. Weird. Like that's very. I think. Very I think sad. what she was like maybe like. I don't know, maybe brain dead or something, and her body was alive. That yeah, I guess it says that would she's, make sense. It says she's in a coma. Ah, uh, yeah. In, on the on the plot summary, yeah. 
I figured it was something along the lines of that, but I just couldn't really tell. Um, but I mean, I guess that doesn't really make a difference, but I guess it it also goes back to um, when Amir is talking about how he had, she killed herself and how like he didn't really show much like emotion towards that necessarily. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of like, it happens. And then like you learn, oh, mate, she's not actually dead, but like, you know, she, you know, there's that yeah. issue. But um, yeah, it, it was that was super sad. There's, there's also that scene with the kid in the house oh, that's which right. I was also yeah, very yeah, confused yeah, yeah. by. I, I, I like that, that scene. It was a little it was a little confusing, but I thought it was it was cute. Well, it's also like you think about it, it's like, okay, some random dude who's like blood all over his face comes to your backyard and your kids in the backyard. <laughs> it's like uh, I was waiting for like his mom or like a parent to come out and be like, um, who the fuck are you? But yeah, I'm actually kind of right. glad that didn't happen. It was just more of like a heart to heart with some random kid who was in his old house in his old life. Yeah, I learned about per- persimmons. What was persimmons. Persimmons. Yeah, yeah. that was persimmons. really cute. Persimmons. <laughs> persimmons. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was adorable. And he's like, because he's like, "What happened to the persimmon tree?" And the kid's like, "What's a persimmon, Mister?" <laughs> that that was adorable. That was a very cute kid. Um, what instrument was he playing again? The a hand pan. A hand pan. Got yeah. It. That was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, because, yeah, because. Because uh, Amir and Robin have like this big falling out after it's kind of revealed that it's Amir's father that took the pig. Uh, mm. And so they go their separate ways. Like he goes to visit his mom and then Robin goes alone, right, to confront uh, Darius, who is Amir's dad. Um, and then they like, they reconnect after the fact. Uh, and there's like another kind of touching scene where Amir is just like, I don't know, man, like we can, we can get you another pig and like teach it how to hunt truffles. And he's like, no, like I don't actually need her. And Amir's like, well, what the fuck are we doing? And he's just like, I, I just love her. Like she's my, my friend. And that was, that was touching. I liked that scene. Yeah, that 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 scene in particular was really, really sweet and very sad. But like, yeah, I really liked how it was like, um, or what he said. What did he say again? Um, yeah, I I can find the truffles myself. Yeah, I. Yeah, the trees tell you where the truffles yeah. are. I think is what he says. Uh, yeah, and so then we get like into the third act here, which is it's basically them gathering uh supplies you don't really know what they are actually until the very end there's this scene where amir goes and gets a bottle of wine from like a a mausoleum it would seem and like you learn about how how robin's partner is you know she's buried there uh like the the woman who works there is like, yeah, I kept the one next to her open for him. And like, he didn't ask me to, but I think it's what he would want. Just like very sad. But then she's also like storing wine in like somewhere in the the mausoleum, which I thought was like, I, don't know, I thought that was funny to think about that, like maybe storing it's wine, dead and, people wine. Yeah. Storing wine and storing dead bodies, like probably surprisingly similar. Um. One age is better than and, the other. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good one. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's 
pretty much gets us to the end where they uh, they basically just have like a ratatouille scene right like mm-hmm. robin <laughs> cooks this this dinner that is it's implied you know is the same dinner that uh darius and his wife you know amir's parents ate you know on that one night that they were happy that amir told robin about um yeah, and you know, it causes Darius to like break down who's like he's been like really scary and threatening um this whole time and then he, you know, he's he's kind of reduced to tears after eating this like this duck that they cook. Uh and so again, I thought I like I was fine with this scene. Like I thought it was kind of funny that it's like it's basically how Ratatouille also concludes. But like, what I like a very elaborate way to bully someone. Yeah, it's just like cook them really good food and like make them cry in front of you. Yeah, literally like (laughs) kill them with kindness. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, you remember that really good food you had with your wife, who's now like brain dead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have another motherfucker. To be fair, though, to be fair, he did fucking have someone like go into his house with a baseball bat and fucking take his like one like friend. And so like if anybody had it coming, it's that guy <laughs> of all the things yeah. he could have done. He just made him a fucking like five star meal for free. So like it's <laughs> and he started crying. So I, I it's just like, yeah, it's just funny to think about like he could have just like hit him in the head with a shovel or something or <laughs> make him an amazing meal. So <laughs> right, right. It's just yeah. funny to think about. Yeah. And so like. Robin and Amir go and like confront Darius in his office and he's just like, all right, you cried because of my food. And they're like, you better tell me where my pig is. Uh, And I think this scene is like kind of what like could make or break the movie for me. And like, unfortunately, I guess it kind of broke it because like through tears, Darius explains that like and I think he said, you know, the junkies were too rough with her. And they killed her when they when they took your pig. Uh, And like Nicolas Cage, you know, like collapses in tears on the ground and like it's very sad. But like for me, I like I don't think it was a good choice to have Darius be the one who like delivers this news. And like the camera's not even facing him while this happens. And like, you know, it's affecting the way that like Nicolas Cage like collapses and like weeps. But like, it just felt like a very like. It just felt like a very easy way to end the movie. And I I would have liked to see something different. Like some discovery made by the characters that we've been with this whole time instead of just like told by a guy who really hasn't had that much time on screen or just something different because it's just like, oh, well, actually, like the plot's done and like that's the end of it. And it just felt like really sudden and a little too neat. So I don't know if I don't know if you all have feelings about that, but I just that's the one that sticks with me. It felt like a missed opportunity. I felt pretty much the same way. Like the film was just building and building to something. And then when it got to it, it was like, oh, that's it. Like, that, yeah, just that this guy says, like, oh, so I'm really sorry, but she's a, dead. Yeah. yeah. Your, your pig is dead. 
I didn't even I more than that I didn't really like the choice to have it end with like oh surprise the pig's dead because I don't know I feel like this movie pretty clearly at the beginning I mean it's it's <laughs> I feel like the text of the film says by the end of this film Nicolas Cage will have his pig back and that's why you're here to watch the movie and we're going to deliver it to you and then it doesn't <laughs> right. so I don't know it just feels like a it feels mean, like to the audience, and yeah. again, in a way that I don't understand why. Why, like, what, what it was this unnecessary meanness to the audience who's here to see a film, and every other scene you're like, "Haha, fuck you." Yeah, I I didn't really necessarily have a problem with it personally. Um, I I get that sentiment too, but um, I I guess it was more for me along the lines of um robin kind of i mean the relationship with robin and amir now which is um like his new other friend in a way um and it was obviously it was very sad that like the pig died and such and i don't know i just didn't really necessarily have a problem with it uh yeah that's 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 all i really have to say about that but um it didn't really felt sudden to me either i'm not sure I guess it's like if you're expecting the pig to be okay after like all of the subtext you read into, um, like, oh yeah, he's gonna have his pig back. I I guess I could see that notion, but I wasn't really like expecting that or anything like that. So I guess I had a different approach when it came to the ending. Yeah, I guess I didn't really expect him to get his pig back. I didn't really feel. I mean, I guess the 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 film felt like a little bit like dark and kind of moody. And I think because of that, I was just like, I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, it really didn't have any expectations. So when they got to the end, I was like, okay, cool. This guy is just an asshole. I guess like Amir's father is just an asshole and doesn't really like have any, like there's like no actual consequences for him. He's just like upset about his like unprocessed grief about his like shitty marriage <laughs> and then is just a giant jackass and then the film ends i don't know i was just kind of like okay um again really taking it at face value and not really like anything beyond that yeah that makes sense too um it's more i was thinking of like okay like where's the film gonna go from here is nicholas cage like after making him this dinner is he going to like try to kill this guy? I don't think so. Um, because I kind of already like checked out of, you know, <laughs> the, the revenge situation. I mean, he got his revenge in a way, but it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, murder the entire family kind of thing. But <laughs> right. I, I, I'm glad that it ended the way it did personally, because I just didn't want like, you know, I didn't want Nicolas Cage to do something that kind of went against like, what he was already like established doing and i didn't really i i felt as though like the message that um robin gave to um amir's dad um you know through food was enough of a retaliation of what happened to um what he did and maybe like he was like taken to action like <laughs> don't steal anybody's pigs anymore but um yeah leave pigs yeah. alone but I mean, again, like I said, I didn't have a problem with the ending at all. I didn't really feel like it was abrupt or anything personally. But I guess we just all kind of had different expectations of how the film was going to end. Like, like essentially the make or break point. Like, 
at that point it wasn't you know great for me i was like okay i like this like you know not every happy ending or not every ending is going to be necessarily a happy one like shit could happen and i guess it wasn't necessarily his fault the pig died but in a way it could be blamed on him too but regardless like i want the pig yeah they actually put that in the movie um they had to change the script because the pig was just too crazy to handle so they're like all right it died whatever they had to put it down <laughs> yeah <laughs> no production. that's not very nice that is not nice <laughs> like, all right we just take this pig they had back. to just like give it yeah. back yeah to its to its actual family yeah, <laughs> yeah take it back to malala yeah yeah we'll go truffle hunting somewhere else <laughs> yeah I do think there's like an interesting kind of like now that we've sort of like talked through the plot, um, like these different like patterns of of grief of like everyone has their own shit kind of going on, impacting their lives. That I thought was kind of interesting, um, except for really like the fight scene, which was just kind of, I don't know, very strange and just seems to be there for no reason. But um, I mean, clearly with the. The, the people experiencing addiction, like they made choices. They were probably paid to do that. And that was like a, a driving force, you know, like they had an unmet need that needed to be met and they, you know, might've done something that wasn't that great. And then you have like Amir who's like still kind of like trying to, um, I don't know, like when his father's like approval, trying to prove himself, all that kind of stuff, like his like, you know, like regular ass daddy, daddy issues. Um, then we have like, you know, the chef who is, you know, I guess like also like selling his own soul for success when he actually really wants to just like open a pub and like serve hamburgers. And, you know, like obviously Amir's father, like Darius, is that was his name? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And then like Darius is like you know, has a shitty marriage and is just kind of like a bully. And also it looks like he has like really like unprocessed grief. Um, and then, you know, you have like the lingering, I guess, like dead characters. Um, Lisa, I think was her name. Robin's Lori. wife. Lori. Yeah. Okay. Lori, Lisa, whatever. <laughs> and then you have like Amir's mom, which I don't remember if we ever hear her name. No, um, so. the only character that I'm kind of like we didn't really get a kind of like a grief moment connection was the baker. Um, yeah, right. Which also was just kind of like weird. I feel like that was more just like about Robin's like past. Robin revisiting. Yeah, these old places and seeing old co well, not co-workers like old colleagues, old employees. I don't know, but. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of like now that we've like gone through this whole like plot summary, I guess um, I'm kind of like struck with that element of these stories of these like interconnecting like people are doing the best they can and maybe they're kind of shitty, but that's just kind of like what they think they need to do in order to be successful. And I guess that's kind of where the film maybe feels a little bit more relatable and more than just like silly things being connected to each other in a plot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um I I felt I really liked the bakery scene in particular cuz like it just felt like Robin was revisiting like essentially ghosts of his past that were associated with the old Robin that now everyone thinks is dead. And so 
Um, I really liked when he went to the bakery and was like, oh, um, can I have more of your like salted uh, bagel or baguette, whatever it was? Yeah, salted baguette. And he's like, can I have more and like stuff like that? Because like you see throughout the movie at that point where Robin is an established chef and a very highly respected one. And when he asks for like, you know, more of someone's like, uh, you know, delicacies and uh, specialty, um, that's like, a, that's probably a big thing to that person, you know? So it's, it was kind of cool seeing that. And then like, he was, what did he say? Oh, I see you. I see you got rid of the drapes. And um, what, what was her name? Lori? Is that what her name yeah. was? Yeah. He's like, yeah, Lori would have loved that. And like, it was just very, very heartwarming, you know, seeing him revisit these people from his past that he more than likely was like mentoring and stuff. And um, yeah, I thought it was very sad too, mm -hmm. like very tragic. Yeah, exactly. And man, um, I really like that. And, you know, even if we didn't learn more about who like the baker was and stuff, it, I feel like it was more for, you know, Robin and learning about Robin particularly too. And how he had all these people in his past that were people who he was more than likely mentoring how to be, you know, a successful chef. And I, I like that aspect of the film a lot. Yeah, I did too. I think it kind of left me wishing that that was more of the movie. I liked all of the food stuff and I liked all of the, the relationships that were sort of integral to Robin, you know, like finding out what happened to his pig. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I almost like it, it reminded me a lot of of that movie Chef, the John Favreau movie, which I like a lot. And like, obviously, these are very different, but like I found I would have maybe preferred there to be a little bit more focus on like the food and like the restaurant industry as like a little bit more of a of a focus in the movie and like because it felt like we were touching on it and I really liked every time that we did mm -hmm. but then it was like uh, you know it, it, it again it comes it comes back to my feeling that the movie was like trying to do and trying to be too many different things yeah and that I just I really yeah. can't help but feel like it would have I would have liked it more had it just picked one direction and stuck with it yeah yeah right I totally get that too. That that is understandable in terms of, you know, whether it be like subverting your expectations of um, this possibly being a revenge film or just sticking to being a revenge plot of a chef or something. That I don't know. <laughs> right. Sure. But it's like a real life. Um, one of those like I can't remember what it's called but like those reality tv shows yeah. where you have like chefs competing like hell's kitchen it's and like, stuff like that. yeah like some hell's kitchen shit yeah those are intense we've, kidnapped, yeah. we've kidnapped your pet and now you have to yes. cook us a delicious dinner or something bad <laughs> that would be yeah. a good premise like instead of like saw it's like you have to cook a five-star <laughs> meal in order to survive this <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> But it's like chopped, you know, and there's like all these weird twists and you have to use certain ingredients. You only have mm -hmm. onions, potatoes and ketchup. I don't know. Whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, not the point, but yeah. <laughs> that would be fun, though. No, um, no. Let's let's flesh this thing out right now. Let's write a new TV show. All right. But uh. that, that kind of sounds like a premise to like an anime, though. Anyways, um, 
I will say though that it is a this is a hell of a debut film for um the director. I yeah, will say that. I like, agree. I'm I'm gonna yeah. yeah, I'll check out whatever comes next for him because I thought this was a very good a very solid first entry. Yeah, but exactly. I think a lot of the problems I think with experience, I have to assume will get better. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, there's gonna be some rough edges, but like this dude, I'm I'm very excited to see what else he makes in the future. Yeah, because like, uh, yeah, I feel like we've been fairly critical, but I, I do just want to reiterate that like overall, this is like a, a solid 90 minutes that I think is worth your time. Oh, I, one thing also, I love the runtime. That that was that was great. Hour yeah, and a half totally. Movie. Man, Didn't I, I overstay its welcome at all. Yeah, I feel as though there's not enough of those. Uh, for some reason, a yeah, lot of movies want to sure. be longer. I, I, I have to say because maybe like I want to blame it on the MCU, so I'm just going to blame it on the MCU. But um, yeah, why not? It's fine, and it's like <laughs> movies don't need to be fucking three hours long. They can be an hour long. Like actually, let's make them an hour long. I need more time in my life, and take all the bs yeah make a good film i've got all these one hour. business deals that i gotta get to i exactly. don't have 90 plus minutes to be watching movies i got stocks to trade and crypto to buy you've got capricorn shit to i got do. some yeah, exactly i'm on that, that capricorn grind you know i have truffles to wheel and deal exactly you know? i'm out here in portland i got truffle boys to go eat yeah <laughs> but regardless again like i said to reiterate great first century yeah yeah so i think i mean i guess that's the takeaway from this movie is yeah, check it out it's worth it's worth watching i think it indeed is yeah uh do we have any final thoughts before we close out the episode i have no, a stupid I, thought yeah go, go ahead. Yeah, I no such thing so <laughs> yeah it's very stupid um no I don't remember if this was like the opening credits, maybe. Were there opening credits? I can't even remember. Yeah, they were but really long. But at some long. point. Okay, uh, yeah. okay, and the cool. text was really yeah. tiny. What? The text, it was really tiny. Yeah. Yeah, it was really tiny. But I did see the director, Michael Sarno- Sarnowski, Sarnowski. And in my brain, I definitely was just like, yep, Michael Scorsese did this film. (laughs) Michael Scorsese, everyone's favorite director. Wow. Yep. And that's, I don't know, like, I I knew it wasn't actually him, but like, my brain was just like, yep, that's the person's name. And he almost made a comment to Cam about, like, huh, wow, like Scorsese, interesting. And then I was like, Gosh, I don't yeah. know. I felt like a dumbass, and then I realized that that wasn't it. So yeah. I needed needed to share that no, embarrassing that's, moment. That's pretty good. Thank you. My favorite film is The Dog of Floor Street. I don't fucking know what. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Your favorite film is The Dog of Floor Street. Yeah, by Michael Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite director. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I see it. I hear what you're saying. You're picking up uh, one. Cool. Great. We like to have fun here. All right. Uh, well, folks, that's going to do it. 
So thank you so much for listening. Please go to motionpicturepals.com to check out our cool links, to follow us on Twitter, to perhaps join the Discord, and to sign up for our email newsletter on Substack to get new episodes emailed directly to you the instant they come out. Uh, and join us in a couple weeks where I think we're going to watch Spider-Man 2. So yeah. get hype for, yeah. for an old superhero movie. Not a new one. first Spider-Man. That's right. You can see arguably the films that kind of set the stage for Iron Man and the MCU. I think that that's an argument that can and probably will be made in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.